Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well then, we've gone and created history, haven't we? Yes, last week we were the first country to vote to leave the European Union. And it was a shock, even to the bookmakers. When I checked the betting odds before going to bed on Thursday evening, Remain was 6-1 to one on with the bookmakers. And they're usually a better predictor um, than the opinion polls for this type of, uh, of event. The bookies, of course, were wrong. <laughs> it is the dominant subject right now, whether that be in the news, on social media, or in pretty much any conversation taking place inside and even outside of the UK. The leavers seem equally as shocked as the remainers. But let's not make this a political podcast. Let's instead try and focus on the implications to us as property investors in this week's show. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Well then, what on earth happened last Thursday and Friday? We actually voted to leave the EU. And despite some opinion polls suggesting that it may happen, the bookmakers seemed uh, very confident that we would remain in the EU. Therefore, I went to bed on Thursday night fully expecting a a remain vote and and business pretty much as usual when I woke up on Friday morning. I thought wrong. (laughs) And I think a lot of people thought wrong as well. (laughs) In preparing for today's show, I, uh, I recall my parting words from last week's show prior to the vote, which were as follows. No matter which way we vote as a nation on the 23rd of June, there'll always be opportunities for the smart, well informed and agile property investor. So look for the upside and the benefits whichever way it goes. Well, of course, it has gone that we will leave. So let's look for the upside and the benefits, shall we? Today's is not going to be a political discussion about the rights and wrongs of the referendum or how we can come up with ingenious ways to force through our personal political agendas. Instead, I wanted to get right down to business, property investment in a post-Brexit vote landscape. And I've been looking for some indicators from other people in the industry and in the investment community as to what they think might happen. Of course, I've got my own views, but uh, let's start with a few quotes uh, along with some of my own insights from some of the people working in the industry at least. I'm going to start with uh, Charlie Ellingworth uh, from Property Vision who says, The most likely scenario that we have seen before in other times of dislocation, 1987, 1998 and 2008, a period where the market seizes up and the only activity is between the brave and the desperate. So I guess it's better to be on the brave side of the deal than the desperate one then. Um, But that makes a good point actually about uh, seizing opportunities and people perhaps being more motivated than others and uh, being ready to to pounce, I suppose. Lucien Cook, uh, head of residential research for Savile, says, uh, It is impossible to predict what will happen until the wider economic effects of Brexit materialise. Uncertainty among buyers will continue, restraining price growth and transactions in the short term. So uncertainty means less people in the market and fewer transactions to pick from, of course. 
Richard Donald, director at Analyst's uh, home track, predicts a fall in housing turnover and slowing price growth as buyers wait to see how the exit plays out. Note that the falls that he refers to here are in terms of volumes and house price increases, not necessarily a price drop in itself. And uh, Jan Crosby, head of housing at KPMG UK, predicted uh, transaction volumes, volumes rather, would decrease and stay deflated for some time, perhaps until next spring. The impact on prices would depend on the house builder's reaction, but it was uh, likely there would be a price drop of around 5% in the regions, possibly slightly more in London. However, he added, we are most likely to see a drop in the growth in asking prices rather than pricing, which will change uh, less. Sorry, likely change less. Again, the sentiment here seems to be around reduced volumes rather than pricing per se. Asking prices reduced, but not necessarily um, sold prices. Um, that seems to be the suggestion, at least here. And Peter Weatherall, who runs an estate agency in Mayfair, so you can see where, perhaps where he's coming from, said the decision to leave could lead to a Brexit bubble. I guess we might actually start to hear that phrase a little bit, it might catch on. Uh, a Brexit bubble in some parts of the London property market. This morning already, sterling has plummeted to, to a low not seen since 1985, and this will cr now create a short-term buying opportunity for US dollar and euro-based property investors. This is a market for risk takers and people who spot high risk but potentially lucrative opportunities that have emerged overnight due to the fluxes in the markets. So despite the effect of the Brexit vote, London still has appeal as a safe haven for asset accumulation and wealth storage. That's my point here. Sorry, especially when currency falls make it even more affordable to get in. So um, there may be some cancelling out that takes place. You know, people taking advantage of the the drop in sterling to get into the London market with uh, with their overseas uh, currencies, which might you know might start to offset some of the uh, transaction volumes and potential price drops that's been referred to elsewhere. <clears throat> James Evans, who's uh, chief executive of Douglas and Gordon, said a vote to leave would mean an exciting buyer's market. If there was a fall in appetite, it would be filled very quickly by people who are sitting on a lot of cash and not getting a return anywhere else. There would be a domestic buy there were sorry, there would be domestic buyers with cash or foreign buyers who are also getting an extra bonus because of the currency. So once again, there's a reference to the Forex uh, holding buyers here, but cash is king once again, it seems. Meanwhile, in a rather contrasting view, perhaps also somewhat loaded as it was made pre-referendum, Zoopla, the property website, claimed that average house prices of uh, just over 297000 might fall by around 18% due to the combined effects of uncertainty, increased unemployment, reduced investment and higher borrowing costs. Altogether, an outvote could slash 1.5 trillion off the value, total value of the UK's housing stock, they claimed. And that's pretty much the grimmest warning that I saw. Um, although, as said, uh, that was made pre-vote. So the motives are, are a little bit unclear. Equally, it also ignores any corrective action that the government may take. And, and they've already stepped into some of the markets, uh, not necessarily totally successfully, but certainly the Bank of England uh, and the Chancellor are keeping a watch on, on what policy um, the changes they may adopt. 
Personally though, I believe uh, interest rates will be cut. However, bank lending rates and statutory interest rates, if you can call it that, the Bank of England base rate, may not always track as closely as they have done quite recently. The EU negotiations will help to determine the potential impact on employment and investment in the long term. But it, um, and it may even be good for the UK, of course, but I think everyone pretty much agrees that short term there will be a shrinkage in economic activity and growth. Mark Haywood, the uh, Managing Director of National Association of Estate Agents, says it expects prices and rents to remain stable in the short term. I'm not sure I'd use, uh, sorry, I'd go as far as to say stable. However, the fundamentals of undersupply and strong demand will remain in place for quite some time yet, I expect, and I think that's going to underpin things. And finally, in terms of my uh, round robin of quotations, um, Grenine Gilmore of Knight Frank says, in the short to medium term, the fundamental demand and supply dynamics are likely to, uh, sorry, are unlikely to change with a continued undersupply of homes across the country, underpinning pricing in some of the most desirable areas. And yet that, that pretty much sums up my conclusion as well. I think the fundamentals of the UK housing market, whether that be uh, for sales or for rental, are pretty strong and robust. And, you know, there's not going to be a cap on immigration, for example, anytime soon. And uh, yes, there may be people who are weighing up what to do. There may even be people who are avoiding coming to the UK. Conversely, there could actually be people, you know, getting on a train now and coming across sooner rather than later. So I don't expect any dramatic changes anytime soon. We do fundamentally have a shortage of uh, housing supply and strong demand, whether it be, as I mentioned, for purchase or for rental purposes. So that's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. And so I do, I do expect the, you know, fundamentally the housing market to to bear up. But in summary, then nobody really knows for sure. But a couple of clear points seem to be consistent. And that's that uh, uncertainty will bring with it uh, reduced transaction volumes. That seems to be a fairly consistent theme. Uh, less activity in the market, in other words. Uh, many non-essential buyers, be they homeowners or investors, will probably sit tight for a while, especially the more um, amateur investor type, if you can call them that, the uh, occasional investor, the amateur investor. Uh, homeowners will possibly wait and see, particularly if, they, if they're if they worried about their job prospects or they're maybe directly affected by it because they, own a, they, they hold a foreign passport, for example. Essential buyers and sellers may well carry on now that the outcome of the vote is known because previously it was unknown. Now at least it's known. So essential buyers are probably going to proceed. And I know there were Brexit escape clauses in certain in certain transactions. So I'm sure one or two people will exercise those break clauses and walk away from transactions. But from the anecdotal evidence that I, I've heard so far, it's not high percentages, that's for sure. Of course, the drop in the value of sterling is going to attract overseas buyers. It's going to make the UK housing market more attractive for people holding a foreign currency. But the biggest pricing impact is likely to be felt in, in London. Uh, although the previously mentioned uh, sterling price of sterling uh, could actually help to prop it up. Um, the, the, London, the prime central London prices have been under pressure a little bit for some time anyway. And perhaps this, uh, the, the voters put it a little bit more under pressure. But as I mentioned, it could be counterbalanced by the, uh, the drop in sterling values attracting foreign investment. However, I think other regions of the UK may, may be okay or only mildly affected um, as, as has been predicted quite, you know, quite, uh, quite highly. Uh, Zoopla accepted, of course, that is. And the fundamentals of the UK housing and rental market are sound, as I mentioned, and they'll probably lead to a, a cooling in growth, 
but a more or less steady period of rents and prices, let's just say eventually, once we get past this void in leadership at least. So maybe some very short term uh, volatility and uncertainty, um, some movement, but perhaps once we, we got a clear direction in place, uh, things might st start to settle down a bit. Longer term, so looking down the track, of course, you know, onto the horizon, the implications of a withdrawal from the EU are yet to be fully determined. So we basically need to wait and see on that one, um, how it's going to play out long term. But I, I think that's going to take uh, a couple of years or so for that to, to start to, to be understood uh, in, in the fullest uh, of reality. But whether we invoke Article 50, as it's called, sooner, later, or even not at all, is still a question to be fully answered. So as professional property investors then, what should be our position? Well, my response is to be optimistic and look for the opportunities. So let's get ourselves ready then. Being ready means adopting a twin-fold approach of protecting the downside whilst maximizing the upside. And if we start by protecting the downside, this means taking some of the following steps as a minimum. First of all, we want to be reviewing our existing portfolio to understand the situation for each, each individual property relative to rent levels and demand, current values and our equity position, and current borrowing levels and the terms under which those, uh, those that borrowing is secured, that means rates, how long we're locked in, early redemption penalties, that kind of thing. So we need to take stock and review our existing portfolio. That's the very first step. So once we've reviewed our existing portfolio, the, the next thing we're going to do is uh, identify individual properties that we wish to either protect, refocus, or even shed in the months ahead. And so those three things, protection, refocus, or shedding, uh, might involve a couple of activities. Let's start with protection. And protection might come by locking in or looking to lock in long-term fixed rate mortgages um, as a hedge, if you like, against potential interest rate changes over the over the longer term. So I'm talking five years and, and longer here. I'm not talking about two, two and three year fixed rate. I'm talking about a longer term fixed uh, period. And of course, ensuring that our property is attractive to rent and that our rent level is around, let's say, the 90% of the uh, the top of the market uh, level, if, if possible. So first of all, let's make sure it's attractive to rent. And then let's set the price not too high, so it's, it's really at the top end of the market, but equally not too low. And this, this will help to maximize our returns, but also to minimize any potential void periods as well. So a little bit of protection advice there. But the second one might be to consider refocusing a property. And this, uh, by this, what I mean is, uh, is potentially converting it from one type of usage, which might be, say, as a single let, to another type of usage. And that could be, for example, an, a multi-let or an HMO, um, holiday let or service accommodation instead. And, and the reason for this is, is uh, if we think about over a period of price fl uh, fluctuations, uh, potential threats on, on, on uh, ability to, to sell a property or, or refinance a property, then higher yields are going to great, be a great way to hedge against, uh, against this and ride out the storm uh, and once it all settles down uh, over the longer term. So yeah, refocusing the property might be something we might consider doing. And I guess the third thing we can consider, it probably is third on the list as well, is uh, we might actually decide to shed a property. And what I mean there is to sell it. 
and we should of course do the sums in terms of uh, any mortgage settlement uh, charges including any early, early redemption penalties and, and of course the tax implications of doing so. We might be realising a tax position here that uh, or a tax, tax payment that we, we might not be budgeting for. So I imagine now might not be the ideal time to consider disposing of a property but it is at least one of the uh, one option that we could consider. But turning instead to the opportunities, if you like, we've just talked about protecting the downside. Let's let's have a little bit of look at the uh, look at the upside and see how these opportunities may present themselves. And here's some of the ways in which I imagine opportunities could present themselves over the next few months and uh, and, and years. First of all, I think there's going to be reduced buyers and a lower transaction level as the average Joe public and, and the amateur investor sits it out. And of this, this of course means there's going to be less competition when it comes to us looking to acquire property. There's going to be more motivated sellers that uh, you know, might come onto the market as some panic may, uh, may set in and, and they may try to escape sooner rather than later. And this of course means that there's going to be opportunity to negotiate discounts. Undervalued assets might become available to buy, particularly when the inherent rental yields bear up. And, uh, and this might mean that uh, taking something of a contrarian look might be, uh, might be advantageous right now. We can lock in, if you like, some inherent asset value and inherent uh, profitability by taking advantage of some undervalued assets that might come onto the market, but perhaps as a, as a direct result of the, uh, the, the, men the points I just mentioned, actually. I think though that there's going to be relatively unchanged national fundamentals. I'm talking about nationally here. There's going to be a lot of focus probably on London, but I'm talking about nationally uh, in the housing market. You know, in terms of demand for housing itself, both uh, whether it's to buy or to rent. And so there's going to be a structural shortage of supply um, for quite some time yet, I would think, no matter what happens over the next few years. And this means there's going to be a bright outlook for the rental market and indeed looking further downstream, the longer term for house, pri house prices or house values as well. So rental market probably going to be robust or fairly robust and long term house prices probably still going to be okay. Um, some short term micro markets uh, might see some price falls. I've already alluded to the fact that we might see that in London. There could be some other locations as well where there might be some pressure on prices. Uh, there could be a rush to other high value locations. Um, you know, Edinburgh might be a case in point, for example. Uh, people might seek to, to invest in those locations. But I think, you know, other micro markets or regional markets um, could, could still be attractive uh, to, to us to acquire in. Um, where the strong fundamentals remain. So knowing where to look and where to avoid is going to be key, I think, over the next uh, next few months in particular. And of course, there's going to be, I think, some opportunities to acquire property using some creative contract and financing techniques as well. Uh, and this might include things like vendor finance and, and options being open and uh, ready for alternative types of opportunity is the watchword here. And uh, if you just cast your mind back to uh, post-housing crash, these are the sorts of opportunities that also presented themselves around that sort of time as well. So 2008, 9, 10 type of period, these types of opportunity were around. So if there were um, you know, perhaps a bigger price fall than maybe I'm estimating will happen, um, then the, there will be potential opportunities to acquire um, properties or assets uh, through creative financing types of technique.
But no matter what happens in the political world and indeed the economy, you could almost tune into this podcast for a weekly fillip of uh, good old property insights. But if you fancy a, a more light-hearted assessment of the way forward, then uh, what I suggest you do is look up the hashtag we need a plan. So it's hashtag we need a plan, all one word. And uh, that's been trending on Facebook and indeed Twitter. And if you look out, I'm not sure what the up-to-date posts are, but if you look out for a post from Dom Bevan, uh, it's brilliant really in a kind of uh, pull-yourselves-together sort of way. So yeah, slightly different take on things, but it, it, I think there's a serious message in that. It is all about, well, we are where we are now, and it is a case of looking forward and, uh, and, and being sensible and uh, you know, taking steps to, to move forward and not just be stuck. And, uh, and that's pretty much uh, my sentiment as well. But I perhaps want to bow to uh, a bigger brain than mine and uh, perhaps leave you with this quotation, which has been in my mind since last Friday and indeed has been the inspiration for my regular Motivation Monday piece. If you, if you visit my blog, you'll see some of the Motivation Mondays on there. And of course, this podcast for this week as well. So uh, Winston Churchill said, a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. And on that slightly more upbeat note, let's draw a line under the whole political discussion, for now at least, and be property investment opportunists? Yeah, opportunists, but also optimists as well, shall we? But that's it really. Thank you very much for joining me on the show today. And once again, until next time on the Property Boys podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.